The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. As a special thanks to all of our patrons, we are giving away one item from the Professional Casual Network store at teespring.com slash stores slash professional casual. All you have to do to enter is be a patron. That can be as little as a dollar a month, and every month we will give away an item of your choice from the store. Follow us at patreon.com slash professional casual. Previously, Bruce Banner has long feared the potential of his alter ego, the Incredible Hulk, to become Earth's most dangerous monster. So when he saw the chance to put the Hulk's strength to positive use, Banner accepted a mission from S.H.I.E.L.D. to save the world by destroying an artificially intelligent satellite gone rogue. But when the mission was complete, the Hulk learned that a group of Marvel heroes, including Reed Richards, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and Black Bolt, had created a plan to extricate him from the Earth sending him to an idyllic, uninhabited planet where, Reed promised, there will be no one there to hurt you and no one you can hurt. What's up, friends? This is The Space Between. Uh, joining me tonight, I've got three of my favorite nerd dudes. I've got Dan Cole, author of Landy the Girl Without Fear, host of Big Fiction Energy, and Grim Podcast of Perilous Adventure. Hey, you got the name right. I did. I'm not like those people on Facebook. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Wow. Um, also is executive producer and co-star of every show on the Professional Casual Network, Tim France. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I'm happy to have you. Where'd Thanks. you get that cigarette from? I'm oh. happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> it came with a gin and tonic. <laughs> oh, geez. And last but not least, we've got our good friend and also a star on the Lost Omens podcast, new to the Professional Casual Network, Taylor. Oh my gosh, I forgot I'm a kobold. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great game. So much so, fun. Real good. I'm super excited to talk about Planet Hulk with you guys. I have never until this moment read a comic with the Hulk in it at all. Samesies. Yeah. Yeah, same. Until today, two hours ago. Yep. <laughs> it's fresh. You blasted through it it's like really, cannonball. I would blasted. say it's uh, it's green. It's so fresh. Ooh. Were you nearly invulnerable while you're blasting through this comic? Not today. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Because I was on dad duty as well. I'm impressed that you could do both of those things at once. Uh, you have to go pretend well. like your kids were nearly invulnerable while you're blasting. <laughs> right. They'll be fine. They're three. They're pretty much invulnerable. You just hear a bang and say, oh, you, so they don't cry. <laughs> I, gave them, I literally gave them both wooden hammers and like something to smash. It was great. So they were smashing. <laughs> I was reading the Hulk. I mean, Wasn't one of yours the Hulk? Didn't she used to run around saying she's the Hulk? Yeah, no, they, it was the boulder from the boulder, Avatar. The boulder. But they do, every time they get balloons, they smash it into things and they go Hulk smash. <laughs> that's incredible. You're doing a great job. Oh, Honestly, I'm trying. It's yeah, a nerd dad. I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm, excuse me, reading it in the living room and, and my daughter Dana comes up and she looks and literally I flip the page like from the Hulk to a scene with nobody that she would know. She goes, that was the Hulk. I was like, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Good horrible. job. Nice. Dan, why don't you give us some details on what we're going to talk about? Give us those sweet deets. Sweet deets. All right. So we're looking at the Incredible Hulk comic uh, that it was the volume of the Incredible Hulk that launched in 1999. Numbers 92 to 105 plus the giant size Hulk special. Uh, this is written by Greg Peck and it was drawn by Carlo Pagulayan. Aaron Lepresti and Gary Frank with also Michael Avon Omeg, Alex Nino and Marshall Rogers helping 
with like inks and lettering and colors and such and covers by Ladron, which I love these covers. I love the yeah. kind of watercolory look. Shout out to Gary work. Frank too for um, number one being successful and number two for having two first names and also <laughs> still being able to be successful even with that disability. <laughs> I had a professor. His name was William Williams. <laughs> at least Williams is a last name though. Right, yeah. <laughs> you just add an S and it's yeah. no longer a first name. Yeah. I had a roommate in college who might listen to this at some point. I'm not sure. He had three first names. Oh boy. Ooh. Yeah. Jean-Luc Brian. <laughs> oh, you forgot it. No, I, cause I said it wrong. Nicholas James Thomas. Wow. Ooh. That's three people. Yeah. Cause I say Nick and then it throws it all off for myself. But he went by Murphy. He was Murphy. <laughs> oh, Murphy. <laughs> He's hilarious. Yeah. First day of college, he just decided he didn't want to go by Nick anymore. He was Murphy. And it was six months till anybody realized that wasn't his name. Which what a time <laughs> or his to middle name. Yourself. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, right. That was exactly. The thing. He was they a great like, guy. Well, what's your first name? He's like, Nick. And like, it was Murphy, your middle name? I'm like, no. <laughs> There's really what? three times in your life that you can reinvent yourself. And it's transferring to a new school, um, going to college, or prison. Mm, fair. Okay. Yeah. I don't think you reinvent yourself in prison. I think the system kind of reinvents you. <laughs> it depends on who reinvents you first. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, All right. So for the Hulk, prison, the system will yeah. do it for you. If the Hulk yeah. in prison reinvents you. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the run that we are discussing today and the next episode took place in 2006 to 2007 and is a heavy inspiration for the movie Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. For everything that happened outside of Asgard, pretty much. Yeah. Is basically yeah. this story, um, which people wanted a Planet Hulk movie so bad because this would be amazing as a movie. And Marvel was like, no, we're not doing that. We're not going to do another Hulk movie. And it was kind of a bait and switch because they basically did this story in Thor Ragnarok. So if you've seen that movie, you 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 get some of the gist. And kind you, of like the first half. And you could really kind of switch it and say that, you know. Thor Ragnarok takes place almost halfway through this particular story. It was like a, like an alternate ending. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. And like a whole, That's, that makes sense. Whole alternate universe ending more yeah. or less. It was really interesting what they did with it. Um, so this is something that I, I didn't read as it was coming out, but I read it very soon afterwards. Uh, I heard about this arc near the end of it. Uh, 2006, 2007. I wasn't in college. I wasn't as into the comic stuff at the time. I was working in like a milk bottling plant. Wait, what am I saying? 2006, 2007. I was actually in college. <laughs> Let me start that over. <laughs> Graduated in 2008. Yeah. What am I saying? Yeah. Oh, so did I. It's 2006, 2007. Uh, I was in college and I was reading like 11 different comic books a month because apparently that's what I spent all my money on because I didn't have a lot of money. I had a couple of different jobs at college, but you didn't have a car so you couldn't drive anywhere. That's, no, I had a car by then. 2006 was the year I finally got my license. That is also true. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard about this one was all over the internet because it was pretty much instant hit. People love this story, uh, which leads into another event called World War Hulk, which is I picked up all those issues. And then a year or two later, the the hardcover of, of this art came out and I got that for Christmas and it's just, I loved it. This is easily my favorite Hulk story. 
because it's really good. <laughs> I'll second that. This is easily my favorite Hulk story. <laughs> yeah. It is the, the only Hulk reason. story I like <laughs> so far. Let's say that means two very different things coming from me and you. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> so when we started talking about doing this show and, and doing like deep dives into comic events, I was like, we have to do Planet Hulk. Have you read Planet Hulk? No. Have you read Planet Hulk? No. Have you read Planet Hulk? No. Okay, we're doing Planet Hulk. And then everybody went like he talked to himself throughout the whole thing. It was, it was kind of terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we were like, is that supposed to be our voice? Like that doesn't sound anything like it's us. It's like, we got to stop coming up to these clock towers with us. Like, <laughs> we're going to get a gun. That was my way of representing. I asked all of you yet, if you had yes. read it before, none of you. And you all said no. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, we have to read this because you guys need to read Planet Hulk. It's so good. And everybody so far said that they've enjoyed it. So we'll jump in and we're going to talk about it issue by issue. If you, if you haven't listened to other episodes of this show, if you're just tuning in for Planet Hulk, we're going to kind of break it down issue by issue, walk through the story, talk about our reactions and whatnot. We'll talk a little bit about the art and whatnot and how much uh, at least some of us enjoyed it. I'm not sure if everybody liked the art as much as me and Danny did. It's a pretty, pretty, pretty comic. Carlo Pegalay and Aaron Lepresti are really good. Gary Frank was also there. I mean, I'd, I'd take it out to a bar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this starts with Incredible Hulk number 92. Seems like kind of a random place to start, but it's just how things work out in the comic world. They start over at number one all the time, but not every single thing. This was kind of like an arc. I don't think Marvel realized it was going to become such a thing that people are going to like it so much. Uh, but we know Hulk has been sent to space. Right, like... Dick move. So it starts Avengers out. He was on. He was on a legitimate mission for Nick Fury, and then the Illuminati stepped in, and mm. they were like, "We're going to send you somewhere else." Hold up, not the Illuminati. <laughs> Most Just of the Illuminati. Of no Professor X or Namor or Namor or Black, Black Panther. Panther. But yeah, it was Reed Richards, Tony Stark, Doctor Strange. I think there's somebody else. Yeah, Danny listed off a minute ago that I forgot. Now he said somebody else. Black Bolt. Black Bolt. Yes. Which makes a lot of sense for the context of the time that this is being written when those particular characters are making a lot of like and justify the means decisions anyway. Yes. And who wants the Hulk around during the Civil War? You know what I mean? I think both sides would have been like, eh, yeah, him being off the field is probably a good decision. Right. Yeah. That's why I didn't read this when it was coming out because it was a it was during Civil War. Yeah. So it was like I was reading everything else at that time because Civil War was so awesome. This was really a high point for Marvel. Um, he civil war would have ended real quick. If one was yeah. Right. Right. And yeah. I, I think we could argue, honestly, two other additional, like two hour podcasts of what side he would potentially be on. Cause I could really see him being on either. Yes. I mean, either. he would be on his own side. Yeah. Right. He would yeah. just be, it'd be like Treebeard. It would be great. Yeah. I'd <laughs> be super excited. Yeah. I that's, do. That's a whole comic. I think Tim would love. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it, I, so I like the Hulk when he's featured in other people's stuff. I think he's a great ensemble character. Right. I, for the most part, really dislike him as the main protagonist. I think that's why you enjoyed this so much, because this really, he is an ensemble. Right. He is part of an ensemble in his own book. Yeah, I was Mm -hmm. just going to say that. Misfit Adventures, or Avengers, excuse me. And really, so I'm calling these guys dicks who decided to send the Hulk off, because, like, you're not going to, like, I expressed this to Dan, like, you're not going to consult with him. And he's like, well, when he's the Hulk, he would just get mad. And it's like, yeah, but he's still like not some like in this story. He's not just like Hulk smash, Hulk smash, 
Hulk smash. Like he can hold conversations and he can reason while his reasoning might not always be super sound and it might not be grounded in logic. It's grounded more in knee jerk reactions and instincts. Like, you know, I, I would just make them pay forever if they, you know, fucked me over like that. Um, I do understand their point where everything with the Hulk, every storyline that he's in, like he just wants to be left alone. Like just leave me the fuck alone. He doesn't like hurting innocent people. He doesn't like causing unnecessary destruction for the most part. So just leave me the fuck alone. And they're like, okay, here you go. Here's your wish. We're going to send you to this lush uninhabited planet where you'll have everything that you need and you can be left alone. I think my favorite part of that is it's not just Banner. The Hulk wants to be left alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. leave me alone. Yeah. You know? So they're like, okay. And then he gets mad when he finds out because he's in the spaceship. Like he's going in space. He'd already done something else in space. He thought yeah. he was going home back yeah. to Earth. And then this thing pops up, this video, and they're like, hey, uh, no, you're going to go to this place. And he's the Hulk. He gets mad and starts smashing things. And he goes a different way. He goes through some crazy portal in the sky in space and crash lands on a planet called Sakar. Yeah. Boom. And this is where I really saw stark parallels between this and Thor Ragnarok. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, yeah. they took like, that yeah, whole thing. Yeah. The portal, yeah. like mm-hmm. the portal, they crash land in the story. Crazy people show up like bug things attack him to like, try and claim him as a prize. And then someone steps in and is like, no, this isn't for you. You know, it's, it's yeah. very similar to Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok is very similar to this. Yes. No, <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yeah. So he crash lands, he comes, he kind of falls out of the ship and he sees there's these yellow skinned bug people like tearing the ship apart to claim it. And he's like, Hey, leave my stuff alone. And they're like, Oh, he's alive. That's nobody can stand that soon after coming through the portal. That's crazy. And then he beats the crap out of him. <laughs> and then he fights yeah. him because he's the Hulk. And then these like pink skinned aliens come that look pretty humanoid except they're bright pink and they, the males have these little tenderly bits on their chins. Right. They've got these like fake independent testicles hanging from their chin and that's how you know they're dudes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And they show up and they're like, Hey, no, this is our property now. And the bugs are like, no, we have, we have first dibs. We're the finders. And they're like, no, we're changing the rules. And they like blast them and they shoot this thing onto Hulk that sticks on his chest. And he's like, well, I'm just going to fight you too then. And then they like zap him. And it's called an obedience disc that can it do that does like sort of mind control. It can like force people to do things, and it really hurts. Yeah. Well, well it just fries their brain if they are if, they if you do it too yeah. long. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what was interesting here is he turned around. and He's like, nothing can hurt me, and then they shot him. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, ow. Yeah. <laughs> so that in this becomes like an important thing later on in the story where going through the portal normally would like knock whatever living thing out and they would be like incapacitated. Basically not only can the Hulk stand, he can fight and like shooting him with that thing. He was able to be injured. So like he is still super resilient, but they could still hurt him a little bit. And right. I was like, wait, what we find out pretty quickly. He's weakened in strength and like toughness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not 
powered up Hulk. And he I'm, doesn't like that at all. I'm actually completely fine with that as a plot device too. Right. Um, because they make it pretty unanimous for anything that comes through there. It mm-hmm. does make sense and it gets the story rolling. Yeah. And, and we see it later. Right. Well. Yep. So they, you know, continuity. It yeah, wasn't cool. just there Absolutely. as a way to weaken the Hulk. It kind of has some things going. It's the cell phone thing in horror movies. You you have almost a do sex mock in a moment, like at the very beginning to establish the rules of the rest of the setting. Right. Like, oh, right. there's no service here. Right. While this is all happening, the pink aliens, um, which are known as Imperials. I'm going to say that yeah, so we can talk it, right? about them. They don't actually have like a species name. Neither do the bugs. They're just called bugs. Yeah, they just... They're like, derogatory, but but that's the only name we get for them. <laughs> yeah. They don't right. even have a name for themselves. And the bugs were the native inhabitants of the planet, right? right? Sometimes the they're called natives. Yeah. Yes. And the Imperials were not natives. They Ex- right. Imperialists. We don't know what they're from. They don't have like, they're not like, uh, they're not even called Sakarans, even though they're from Sakar. Right. Like they're just called Imperials. They're from somewhere else. We don't know where they've been here for many, many generations Yeah. to the point where they see this planet as their own. They talk about somebody called the Red King, who's a big part of this story, who's yes. the leader of the Imperials. He's also the, um, sometimes he's known as the Emperor, I think, or I might have just put that in my head because they're oh, called please. Imperials. Yeah, for sure. And he has four truck nuts hanging from his chin. He does. Spoiler alert. I'm so glad you called them truck nuts because I wanted to say it earlier <laughs> and then we moved on. I was like, eh, whatever. Spo- spoiler alert. He's a dick. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's like a total dick. It's actually really cool. In the, the hardcover that we have, there's a bunch of back matter. It has all kinds of background stuff about Sakaar and the Imperials and the bugs. And I read a bunch of it to try to get a little bit more information for this. And um, the fact that the emperor has four truck nuts on his chin <laughs> is like the Imperials see that as like when somebody's born like that, they see them as a higher station than any other Imperial. And like other species would say that they're, that's just the way their evolutionary track is going for whatever reason. But the Imperials don't acknowledge evolution. So they just see it as like, oh, you're born with four. You are greater than everybody. So that's one reason why he's yeah. the Red King. Um, there are other um, civilizations that do not believe in evolution that also fall to a hierarchy of whoever has the most truck nuts on their truck <laughs> is the superior being. <laughs> and that's the bigger the true. truck nuts, Correct. the more superior. The more superior. Yep. Is it gorillas? <laughs> Good job, Taylor. We're talking about girls. We're not. Oh, oh. (laughs) I live in those towns. Yeah. (laughs) You do. So Hulk gets shot with that pistol, as Danny said before, and he goes down hard, which normally Hulk would probably not even feel it. Hulk normally doesn't go down at all. He's not very considerate. So the fact that he was weak and really kind of opened him up to the experiences here. (laughs) Uh, So Hulk wakes up in an arena. With three other of the bug people, sorry, four other bug people. And he's just like, what is going on? Uh, But one of these bug people is, has like gray skin. The other three are yellow. And then there's like this crazy tentacle monster thing that attacks them. And they're all like, what is happening? Hulk is like, this is dumb. And he just like punches it in the face. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, all right, got it. And then two more come out and he's like, what the hell? This is annoying. And he like gets a giant battle axe and cuts him in half. Whoosh. You skipped ahead. Did I? Yeah. They were sold at auction first. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like the bugs totally offer to be sold at auction because they can't get money off of scrapping Hulk's ship. You're or, right. Yeah, yeah. I did miss that yep. line in the notes. Sorry. He, uh, yeah, the three yellow bugs sell themselves at the auction to help their hive get money to yeah. feed people, which is super selfless. 
super important too when Hulk first crashes and the the initial bug people are claiming that they had first rights to the salvage um, and it was taken from them by the Imperials that they're like, they need to feed their hive. Like their hive's starving. They they need this to survive. Right. And, and the, the Imperials are like, like, no. Too bad. Sorry, and they're like all decked out in fancy armor and robes yeah, right. and weapons. Yeah. These obedience discs and weapons. And like clearly they don't need it. They right. altered the deal and you can pray that they don't alter have, it further. Have literal like sticks with rocks on the end of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's kind of brutal. Poor bugs. So we can already see this. Um relationships on this planet are not good yes truck not class system <laughs> did you just make up a shirt for us i did <laughs> uh so hulk takes out the other two crazy tentacle things they're called devil corkers and they just kind of look cool crazy aliens with big tentacles and huge mouths and blah 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 so hulk takes them out and they've won believe the three yellow Natives died during that. And yeah. it's just him and the gray skinned one. And Hulk like quasi saved him. Yeah. Yeah. By pretty much just yeah. being like, get out, get the hell out of my way. So yeah. Like, Kill these things. Just yeah. move. We learned that his name is Meek and he's the best character. He really is. <laughs> Honestly, 100%. Thor Ragnarok did not treat him how I hated he should him. have been treated. I hated him so much throughout the beginning of this. And then after like, I don't know, two and a half episodes, I was like, or issues. I was like, this is great. Yeah. He's yeah. the best. Meek's the yeah. best. He's got this funny way of talking where he makes random verbs. I-N-G, I-N-G yeah. at the end. And it's just and he, like bombs. kicks in the middle of it. Like a, like a bug. Like, <laughs> yeah. He makes these little yeah. noises all it's the time. So neat. Like I a little have, tick. I may have teared up two to three times during this story and they were all based around Meek. <laughs> well, yeah, he's definitely got the best story throughout. We'll talk about him a lot. So then Hulk is like, all right, who's the person in charge here? That's what I want to smash. And he is kind of pointed to the Red King is there watching this and he like jumps up at him. But this gray skin lady gets in the way. Um, and kind of smashes him down and the red King's like, I'll take him on myself. And he gets in this crazy mech suit that looks pretty cool. And he's got this big sword and he can shoot fire, which is such a punk ass bitch move. Like, Isn't oh, yeah, that sure. going to fight your, like you're yeah. going to have to get into a big suit. It's just right. like the movie avatar. I mean, to be fair, it's <laughs> the totally smart is. thing to do, well, no, but it's the smart thing to do, but then don't say, Oh, get in there and fight him myself. Right. Like, I don't need off. someone to fight my battle for me. I have a mech suit to do that. For <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so dumb. So he starts fighting the Hulk and he doesn't know what he's gotten into. Um, he's doing really well though. He starts out really well because the mech suit's pretty powerful. He's got this big sword, which is pretty sweet. Um, but what he doesn't realize, the more you hit the Hulk, the more he hits back. And the Hulk is getting stronger and faster already. Right. Right. From after the portal, it's starting to wear off. And the, he, the, the red King cuts the Hulk on the face with this sword, which makes the Hulk angrier. So then he gets his own blade and he ends up slashing the red King back on the face. And everybody's like, Oh, he cut him. Yeah. It's super important here that neither of them turn the other cheek in this situation. <laughs> no, there were no cheeks turning. Um, can I interject? Sure. I'm sorry. You had mentioned before that like two of the yellow ones die. The King actually kills them. Right oh, now. he flames them. Doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah. He flames them and meek gets really pissed and like kind of goes after him. And that's when Hulk saves meek. Ah. Yep. And Meek is like forever indebted to Hulk in his mind at this point. Two hands. Two hands. So funny because Meek <laughs> has four hands. Oh, I love Meek so much. Um, so he cuts the Red King on the face, and then the Gray Lady steps back in 
uh, to kind of get between them. We find out she's called the Warbound Shadow. Uh, she's also known as the Lieutenant, but her name is Kira. I'm just going to call her Kira throughout because that's easier to yeah. say. Um, she starts to fight the Hulk like she's going to fight him, but then the Hulk gets blasted back by this weird black clad soldier, which are called the Death's Heads. They're actually robots. We don't know for quite a while. But. Who are near and vulnerable when they're blasting the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they say they're going to send him to the Maw, and it kind of looks like this like lava-filled pit with like a Sarlacc-type thing coming out of the middle, and it's just like, ooh, this place does not look nice. Yeah. Um, I just, I want to interject again. I'm sorry, because I have it open in front of me. Oh, fine. Go Not for it. Not only, like, does the, what is it, Death's Head watch? The Death's Head guards, yeah. So, the king sends them in to do that, and she's like, this fight was mine, who, and the king is like, no, no, lieutenant, can't have my shadow upstaging me, can I? Like, she's a better fucking fighter than you. Like, yeah, but he's just such, they do a really good job of very early on making you hate this guy because he's such a dick. Yeah, yeah literally the worst. Kind of a jerk. The worst. Uh, so in the second issue here, we got Hulk, Incredible Hulk number 93. We learn a bit more about the Maw, which we find out is a training ground for gladiators. And it's a volcano with a Sarlacc in it. Right. These <laughs> lava monsters. Magog, Kakaz, or something like that. We learn their names are later. Yeah, super later. Yeah. Hulk's just like, ah, oh, we just call them lava monsters. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but before they they're not fighting one of those right away we learn uh, we meet the the gladiator owner because they're slaves his name is Primus Vand Uh, and we know we can pick him out throughout this because he has an eye patch a gold eye patch over one eye yeah and he only has two truck nut dangly bits Uh, and he's like all right well there's 22 of you give you all some weapons only seven of you can leave and he's like, go at it. And one dude speaks out and he's like, you can't do this to me. I am an elected official. I demand respect. I demand being told why I'm even here. And then some, and then Primus just blasts him with this staff and just like disintegrates him. Yeah. yeah. He's gone. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> and they're like, oh, man, I guess we have to fight or we're just going to die anyway. And they start to fight. But then Meek is like, wait, you said 22. Meek is only counting 16. What's going on? And then, like, from the other behind, guy. like, a big rock, eight brood fly in. I was Which, super excited to see yeah, the brood. Yeah, for sure. Brood is so cool. Yeah. If you listen to the first episode of our New Mutants discussion, we, we talked a little did, bit about the brood. We also didn't explain who the brood were. In that right. We now we are a little bit. Mm. So brood are these insectoid aliens that just, they look pretty cool. They got big sharp teeth in their big mouths and they got these weird like tentacle arms and they got like uh, stingers on the end. They remind me a little bit of earwigs. alien and alien. Oh, for oh, sure. They're a hundred percent based on that yeah. for sure. Also Heavily inspired though, by like, Yeah. Ugh, Jesus. But they're like brown and they're not yeah. like that slimy black, but yeah. they have a lot of things in common with the alien from alien. Like see-through wasp wings. Mm-hmm. They're like yeah. super cool. Tim, as the resident lover of all things Vespid, Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Brood? Are they like your favorite thing out there? They're not. I really like them a lot um, because they're used in such a disposable manner. They're never really given really any development in the stuff that I've read before. Fair. Um, this very honestly is probably this story has some of the only character development for a Brood 
that I've ever seen. Besides Brew. Um, no. You don't think Brew has character <laughs> development? I, I don't like Brew. <laughs> because, you know. He's weird. They're, yeah, uh, for fair. those of you who know the 40K universe, they're Tyranids. They're just an endless yeah. wave of killing machine yeah, that pretty you much. Can just destroy. Just right. without guns. Right. And they fly in big. They like fly from planet to planet in these giant space whales. That sounds awesome. That just like <laughs> eats them all. And then they just hang out inside and <laughs> it flies so around. Cool. I forget what they're called, but yeah, they don't have like technology. That's super cool. So these eight brew uh, here, enter the fray and start fighting each other. And we see a bunch of people killing each other. There's a big rock man, which we will know as Korg. There's another gray skinned person like Kiro was back at the, the arena. Uh, there's a couple other pink people. This is also the introduction of a running joke where um, <laughs> the brood are like, you know, we are brood from brood world. You are lunch. And Hulk says, so have a sandwich. And everybody's like, what's a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that comes Mick up. He brings it up times. multiple times. Oh my God. Yeah, it's like, so yeah. funny. So and great. It, this is, that's my favorite part of this with the Hulk because it shows that he's not, he has a personality. Right. And yeah. he's funny. And he's, yes. you know, oh my gosh. It's or at okay. least he's trying to be funny. And then others around him are funnier. <laughs> yeah. So have a sandwich. What's a sandwich? Like, I think that's funnier. <laughs> They're like, hold your horses. What's a horses? Always <laughs> <laughs> is a horses. So great. Uh, but just as like the fighting really picks up, Primus Van stops everybody with their obedience discs. He just kind of slams his staff down and they all stop. And the survivors are Hulk, Korg, from Ragnarok in here. He's yellow. Well, kind of find out why. <laughs> Not sure why they changed him to like a blue purple rock man, but maybe they, in the movies, maybe they just didn't want him to look too much like the thing who probably will come mm, along okay. at some point because he's orange. Fair enough. Meek survived because he's a hider, not a fighter. He says that a lot. Uh, two Imperials, uh, one male, one female. Uh, the gray-skinned man we know is called an unbound shadow. And one brood survived. And the, uh, Primus Van tells them they are now a team of gladiators. Now they need to work together to survive. So and Korg like cracks his big rock knuckles and he's like, all right. And he kind of takes charge. So um, the thing about this with Primus Van, right? Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Cool. So, so he he was a slave. He was a gladiator and he did so well that he is now like a, an imperial citizen. So that is their end goal here. Now that they're a team. Yes. Is they have to go through a bunch of trials and right. stuff. And, and it's then, like if you can survive, you can gain your citizenship. Right. Right. So if you're not like Big Chuck and you've seen the movie Gladiator, it's the same <laughs> plot. Um, yeah. the, it's the Spartacus story, but set in a superhero world. Except there's only one an green, alien. Green Spartacus. Yes. Uh, we learned that the two Imperials that survived were the daughter and captain of the guard for the political house of the man that was disintegrated. Their names are Eloe and that other guy. I forget his name. I thought Dana could fill it in for me because she's got it open. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say I don't like either of those characters. Captain Ski. Levinsky. Yeah, I got yeah. it. Yep. You don't like either because they're Imperials or... They're just kind of dicks, entitled dicks. They're so super they're, entitled. They're pretty yeah, pretty much like any other imperial. Yeah, because they're imperial. The <laughs> right. They're like political 
outcasts to the point where like they're 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 slaves now, even though they were pretty high ranking imperials. It shows how much corruption there is in this imperial yeah, society. Right, right. Like it doesn't matter how high you are, the, the emperor can just throw you into the pit or into the like, maw. It didn't even have to be him. Could have been anybody. Could have been a boat. Right. It you know how much boat. we've always wanted one of those. Yeah. <laughs> one issue that I had with like consistency in this story was that LOA says in the beginning, like, I don't know much about fighting, but I'll learn. And then in like two issues, she's like badass super fighter. I'm like sometimes there, it is hard to tell how much time has passed. I mean, I it never really says it doesn't ever say like one week later, yeah. like they're as they're a gladiator team, they could have spent time training together. We don't see that. We don't know how long it is. So I can totally understand that little bit of frustration. Uh, but LOA. No, she's like Ray from the new Star Wars movies. She's never done this before, but, you know, she can force choke anyone and play mind <laughs> games with anyone she wants. Yep, and Daniel Craig. Is immune specifically. To, yeah. <laughs> and is immune to all powers. Yeah. Yep. So the next thing we see is the group having their first training together at the Maw. And Korg is trying to be the leader at this point. He steps forward because he's the he think he assumes he's the biggest and the strongest. Because he's a giant, like seven and a half foot, eight foot tall rock man. Yeah. Um, something I found interesting looking at that back matter is a lot of these characters are bigger than they first appear because they're always next to the Hulk. The Hulk is, you know, seven and a half feet tall. Yeah. They yep. they look human size, but Heroim, the Warbound Shadow, or the Unbound Shadow, mm -hmm. the the gray skin guy, um, he is seven foot two. Oh wow. He's a big dude. Boy. And like uh, Ski, the Captain Imperial, is over six feet tall as well. And like everybody in this group, except for Meek and LOA, are are huge. Right. But they don't look like it because they're always next to the Hulk. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he makes everybody else look normal and just forget that they're all so big. Like even the brood is actually eight feet long. Right. Yeah, he's a oh, long wow. boy. But he, well, wow. she, but it's not eight feet wide. Yeah, they're like a long boy. <laughs> Uh, so I just wanted to point that out. Um, I found that really interesting because I didn't realize like the idea of standing next to Heroim and like he's more than a whole foot taller than me. So Korg tells everybody basically stay behind me and Hulk here. We're the biggest. We're the strongest. You'll you know we'll we'll take on whatever comes out of the lava. And he's so hopeful. He's like we'll take on whatever they are. Green skin. He's so like a great leader. And he's then, ready to go. Yep. And then. What comes out of the lava there, Taylor? His brother comes out and his family comes out and they're all like lost their minds because yeah. they resisted the disc. And it's the saddest thing ever because he just like crumbles. Yep. Right. So they immediately hit you with one of these like in the feels moments Ugh. in the second issue of this arc. And it's yeah. just like, Greg Peck, what? come on, man. And ha having, excuse me, think Ragnarok is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. And I love Korg <laughs> from that movie so yes. much. So I already have an emotional. Paper. Yeah, I already. And it's funny because paper beats rock. Um, so I <laughs> so I already have an emotional connection to this guy, even though it's not really the same character. So they were yeah. just like. And it's really not, which is really disappointing because I also loved Korg and oh Ragnarok. Gosh, the, and yeah, yeah seriously. Um, I, I expected a little bit more, I guess, comic relief out of them. And it, it wasn't there, but it was still really good. Yeah, I like this Korg also, but for different reasons. Sure. Yeah. And it's sad because Korg tries to like appeal to his brother and he's like, please, Marcus, no. And finally, Meek is like, we can't hurt Mother Trump them. is gone. Like, we like... need you to do because like the rock on rock. 
they need Cork to actually do some damage. Yeah, but, everybody has, yeah. has like the swords they were given that are pretty crappy and they keep breaking on them. And they're just like, we can't do anything against these giant rock monsters. And Cork is just like, I can't, I can't fight my own brother. I can kind of assume Van is just like, watch this. I'm going to throw against rock monsters. I'm going to just give him some daggers. It'll be real fun. I won't be able to do nothing. Yeah. Right? He's just laughing up there on his little floaty disc thing. Um, so then Hulk gets impatient. And he's like, all right, if you're not going to help, I'll make you help. And he just grabs him by the leg and smashes him into another one. <laughs> he literally uses him as a weapon. It's yeah, so yeah. great. And he just, he looks at Korg and he's like, ah, I figured you'd be tougher than him. And Korg's like, Margus, you, I killed my brother. And then they end up smashing the rest of them. Korg kind of, you know, comes back into it and he smashes them apart and they end up winning. And then Van, Primus Van is kind of like, hmm, all right. Yeah. These guys are better than I thought they'd be. <laughs> this is pretty okay. And then from here on out, Korg like refers to himself as Korg. Like, is it Marcus stone? Killer or like Brother Killer? Or yeah, something yeah. Like that. Or yeah. Stone Breaker. Or yeah, something. he really takes it to heart. He yeah. does not like this. He says his own little prayers and like, yeah. It's, I yeah. love how he's like kind of religious, right? In a, in his own rock person, yeah, religion, right. especially towards cool. the beginning. He was regularly referring to some type of higher power or whatever. Yep. And what a, I mean, obviously someone's watching over him because Hulk just flipped a coin to decide. Well, he might be harder, <laughs> <laughs> right? He got lucky. <laughs> Clark was real lucky, maybe because the other ones were in the lava for a while, softened him up a bit. Yeah, maybe. I had to assume it was something like that, or they weren't keeping up on their, you know. Calcium and they weren't eating yeah. enough built bars. You know. Well, you know, they weren't eating enough coal and slate, which Cork asked for later. At one yes, of the he seasons. does. <laughs> Got any coal or slate? I, I still have. I still have yet to eat a build bar. I mean, here's the good news, baby girl. <laughs> Missing out. We're gonna put some build bars in you. Oh yeah, mm. the new ones, the I'm, cold ones. I'm yeah. like half excited and half them. terrified. They're, <laughs> they're so goddamn good. Well, if you want I, your own built bars. Use code professional casual at checkout to get a discount. Yeah. 10%. It's the only way you can get a discount right now, too, is through one of those codes. Yeah. With, with our code is the only way to get a discount. Yeah, Asterisk. that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> Asterisk, this is not true. <laughs> so now the gladiators are team. They've proven themselves. They're taken to a farm to be watched by a pleasure cruiser, which is just full of high ranking people that can afford it. It's they kind of float around day. the planet and see what happens. <laughs> so unfortunately, the grandmaster is not in this comic. Uh, Korg prays and he scatters the ashes of his fallen brothers or rock oh. dust of yeah. them over the, over the farm. And then he's kind of like, all right, I'm back in it. Basically he scatters their pebbles. Yeah. Is that what it has? That how he says it? I don't know. No, he, I think he says dust. I'm pretty sure. Like returning. pebbles to pebbles, dust to dust. Yeah, pebbles if, kind of a really if today don't terms, then I wouldn't use must. that again with them. <laughs> <laughs> but they're taken to a farm, and it's kind of like, well, what are they doing at a farm? This is weird. And then the Wildebots show up. Which the whole time I read this, I pronounced it Wildbots in yeah, my so head. Yeah, so did I. But yeah. then I watched part of the net the the animated movie of this that's on Netflix. And they pronounced it Wildebots. And I was like, well, that makes sense. There's an E in there. It's like Wildebeest. Yeah. yeah. But Wildebots. That's also how I learned how to pronounce LOA. I just thought it was LO. Oh. And the E, the other E was just kind of there. But LOA. Ring, hello. 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 <laughs> right. So the Wildebots, which are kind of like um, Wild Sentinels from X Men kind of okay. thing, yeah. where they're just like robots that don't really have a purpose that have kind of gone crazy. 
and they're there and they attack the farm and there's one that's leading them that's like I think it was the egg breaker. They call it egg breaker. Yeah, yeah. yeah, egg breaker has been you know terrorizing this area for like three years, and it you know finds the bugs' hives and break eats all their eggs. Which I didn't realize they don't specifically say like the bugs. They just say um, the predilection for crushing native hatchlings, which I didn't like put two and two together. And I was like, okay. And then now I'm like, oh shit, that's like. Pretty brutal. The bugs as meets people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just like eating their babies. Yeah, pretty yeah. nasty. Only evil people would do that. Eat babies. Eat uh, meeks um, races babies. Oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah, mm. for sure. Uh, but we find out this has been going on for three years. That the Imperial Army hasn't been able to bring down this Wildebot. Right. This particular one, yeah. And so forty-three farmers, two squadrons of Imperial soldiers. It's done a lot of damage. Squadrons. I miss that. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. And this thing is gigantic. It's huge. It, it it's probably like, 50 feet tall or like something. Pieces on itself. Like it looks like it's almost hodgepodge together. Right. Like these robots have like kind of built themselves up or, so you cool. know, and there's just random pieces of whatever. And the whole time there's guys on the pleasure cruiser, like filming it like Mojo world style. Yeah. It's on TV throughout the, the empire. And there's a guy commentating and it's so great. And he's like, he tells, that's how we know all this about the, the egg breaker. And then he's like, and here's the Hulk. So Korg's like your turn. And he grabs the Hulk and throws him. And he's like, and the Hulk destroys it in three seconds. And he just punches the face off of this thing. And then the rest of them finish off the rest of the wild bots. And people are just like, what? And they become like celebrities immediately because everybody's watching this. Cause there's nothing else to do, but watch gladiator stuff. And like people were expecting the gladiators to all die. Like this egg breaker thing is destroyed so much. And Hulk takes it out literally immediately. Just <laughs> done. I mean, Korg helped. Let's be honest. True. Korg did certainly help. I just love that panel with Korg throws him because Hulk is smiling and he's like, this is great. And then he just punches the head off of this thing. Hey, I kind of like this guy. <laughs> so because they cleared this space out, they they are like celebrities now. This is good for, for Primus Vand as well. He can get like higher profile fights and whatnot. They are all sitting around a table enjoying a well-earned dinner on the Pleasure cruiser. Uh, Captain Ski there is chosen. He's chosen by some sassy pink ladies. (laughs) And he's like, I'm going to peace out. I'm going to take advantage of this while I can before I'm dead. Because I'm a gladiator. I would imagine like young nobles is what that was. Who were like, "Uh, we're going to go with the cute pink guy. Right. And he's also like jacked. Yeah. Cause he's also like six two and he's got muscles on muscles. He was the head of that dude's guard, right? Yeah. He was the yeah. captain of the guard kind for of that a- house. Um, I forget what the name was, but then we also see the warbound shadow. The Lieutenant Kira is there and she kind of make a, makes eyes with the Hulk to be like, I need to talk to you kind of thing or just like, um, but she just kind of like basically to say, don't worry, I'm here. Don't try anything. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Kind of thing. Uh, we have a scene away from here with the Red King. More, We get more reasons why to hate this guy. Uh, he doesn't care about natives. He's more concerned with some other war with somebody called the Philians, which um, looking at the back matter in the, in the heart and 
the hardcover collection. It's like a nation to the north of where the Imperials are on this world. We never see the Fillions. I don't even know what they look like. Yeah. Uh, but it's something that they are like a constant war with. And uh, I think they have an armistice at this point, but it's like. Rocky. It, there's things brewing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's actually not a um, society. It's two people. The Fillions. Uh, Nathan and nope, just Phil and Ian. <laughs> That's the only two left. Uh, they're just they're really tough negotiators. Yes. They have this wall with cardboard cuts out, cutouts on it, and yeah. everyone's like, "Wait, that's a lot of soldiers." Can't go over there. Very much like Home Alone. Yeah, like, yeah. Just pulling on different things. We sent in a squadron, and just paint cans took them all out. It was a scary furnace. Terrifying. Um, the King references too. he says it may be time for the spikes. So those come up later. Well, it's the first time we hear about the spikes, yeah, right? It's quite the threat, though. I like how what Peck does here with the spikes, where it's something that's mentioned a few times throughout. So you're constantly like, well, what the hell are spikes? Like the first time it's kind of like a throwaway, like, all right, whatever. Oh, you mean it's not like a Chris Claremont thing where you have to wait two years to find out what the spikes are? Well, it would have not. It was a, it's like a sprinkle. Yeah. yeah, it was a spike sprinkle, know. a spike sprinkle. Do they actually refer to the spikes or do they just refer to like people have this dude like fought in the spike wars or whatever? Does he there? He says something about the spikes, right? He says it may be time for the spikes. Oh, gotcha. Right, and we hear about the spike wars and whatnot. We're not—we don't know what spikes are for a while here. It's something nice, little sprinkle in there to make you wonder what that is. Uh, it does a good job of reminding you every once in a while about it, but not all the time. So you kind of forget about them after a while. Uh, the warbound shadow contacts him. Kira contacts him and expresses her concerns about the Hulk, like he's becoming too popular, mm -hmm. he's becoming too strong, and he's just kind of like, nah. And people in Sakaar are calling him the Green Scar. Nobody calls him the Hulk right now. Except for me calls him Two Hands. Right, yeah. <laughs> or, and they call him like Green Skin, but the term the Hulk is not really used much. No, some of them call people. him Hulku. That's at the end. Yeah, not yet. towards the end. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, he's always just like, no, I'm I'm just Hulk. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, ah, Green Scar. He's like, all right, whatever. I don't really My care. name is Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, death warrior. <laughs> Taser face. But the king is just kind of like, no, nah, this isn't a big deal. He'll die in the arena. I don't care. And then we go back to the dinner and then a wall explodes Boom. and a bunch of pink uh, Imperials and bugs come in together and they call themselves the Sakaar Democratic Insurgency. And they said, we've been fighting for you. Now you can fight for us. It's the Revengers. <laughs> basically and that's where that is issue ends and it's kind of and hulk's just kind of like eh. right because i can't see the hulk really being too concerned about politics obviously i mean he's a slave right now so i'm sure he don't like that too much he doesn't yeah it's just one of those things where he uh, he doesn't like that part of it the rest of it he i don't think he could care less about yeah. right because he gets to fight all the time and now they're giving him free food and, right yeah yeah like people like him because he's fighting really well um, he doesn't like the obedience disc, obviously. I don't think anybody would. Right. But yeah, these, these rebels show up and he's like, I'm, I'm sorry. Who are you? Like, I don't, <laughs> he's like, I just want to eat my dinner. Leave me alone. I'm I just want to be left alone. I'm the Hulk. Literally eating right now. I'm hungry. Uh, so issue 94 opens up with basically right where that one leaves off. Mm -hmm. uh, on this pleasure cruiser were Imperial death's heads. Those ro those black robots with like the cool, like cable tentacle dreadlock things. 
uh, and they have like flamethrowers and whatnot, and they take down these rebels like right away. Uh, LOA tries to talk Hulk into fighting for the rebels. She's like, you can wreck these dudes so easy. And he says, puny pinkies like the puny humans. First they call us monsters, then they come crying for help, then they call us monsters again. He hits her with the, eh. Basically. Yeah. A long-winded, meh. Um, but I like what he says there. Um, that they call us monsters, then they ask for help, then they just call us monsters again. And like, he's, this whole yeah. time he is just stewing about right. how angry he is with like Reed and Tony Stark and Dr. Strange Quote for putting him friends. here. Right. People yeah. that were said they were his friends for so long. How big do you think his middle finger is? Cause he just hit her right in the face with it. And that's gotta <laughs> hurt a lot. <laughs> I mean, the angrier he gets, the bigger it gets, right? That's what I'm saying. That's like, girthy. <laughs> he hit um, her in the face with a girthy boy. <laughs> 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 well done. Oh, I'm so happy. Uh, so Eloy kind of like volunteers to go with the rebels. She's like, no, I'm one of them. And the deaths had take her away with the rest of them. Yeah. Now's your time to stand up and get shot for no reason. Why isn't everyone doing it? I'll do it. <laughs> Good job, Eloy. You did it. Yay. Yay. Now your lack of being able to fight is going to pay off. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so the rest of the gladiators, because they didn't side with the, the rebels, are taken to another Imperial Pleasure Cruiser, one that's not partly destroyed. And they're like, you know what? Since you're you're shown to be pretty loyal, we're going to give you guys a good night. And they're like all shown to different rooms on here. And this is where the Hulk walks into a room and there's Kira, the Warbound Shadow. Hot. Yeah. Uh, Hot. What? She, it pisses me off so much. Like, you look at this armor. <laughs> it's not what, armor. What the fuck is that going to cover? Like Nothing. Well, I, we, okay, <laughs> I agree. I, it I looks ridiculous it, in a way. Especially when they made a very incredibly powerful and confident female character. They could have right. made just literally a couple lines and colors to actually exactly. make it a exactly. example. Yeah. She could have actually character. been wearing fucking clothes. Like instead of like a thong. Yeah. Literally like, a thong. So it's like a metal got thong. Armor yeah. that yeah. comes up to like her mid thigh and cuts up to her hip. And then she's got like a metal thong on. So like your femoral artery is completely <laughs> exposed. Like right. are you kidding me? Right. What's yeah, but the here's, functionality? It's of super that? important too because um similar to the Grinch, um the Shadowbound keep their heart in their butts. Much later on in the story, her ass grows like five times as large as it was previously. It really does, yeah. Um, uh, no, it just pisses me off. Like Tim said, like she is a very like strong, badass character. And it's just another example of comics like over sexualizing of any female. Yeah. Yeah. It was so close. You were right there. So you were right at the finish close. line. And you were like, ah, really? truck nuts. <laughs> if they had just <laughs> covered her ass. It wouldn't have been that bad. It would have been fine. Even so. Like, she, so sure, her upper arms like, are bare and, and like the top part of her chest. That's not that right. bad. But she doesn't have like Emma Frost giant tits. Right. So, I mean, that's fine. But yeah, if they had just covered that area of her, like her hip flexor and her inner thigh. That's oh my God. all. Who was that bitch from um, uh, Kitty Pride? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I got to be honest. No, the uh, the the witch from New Mutants who made um, Amara. Oh, Celine. Oh, Celine. Yeah. Celine. <laughs> like there was no reason to go that. Yeah. 
bad figure on mm. that yes. character. To be fair. That was insane. Um, she was a mutant that sacrificed people to keep her youth. No, I so if that, you're if you're like, doing that, I mean, yeah. oh you God. might as well show off all the people you're killing. <laughs> yeah, I literally I turned the page on this and I saw and it's just like the full page and she's just standing there. And she's like, finally. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> like, are you serious? Huh. But anyway, she's awesome. She is awesome. But goddamn, just why? Yeah, it's just like like. Again, she's seven feet tall. So just a few more square feet of armor to cover that area. Right. And she yeah. would have looked fine, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah, have bare upper arms to show off your awesome biceps. That's like, that's totally cool. Her skin is gray and her armor is silver. It all looks it's, it's the same. And of course, look. it's super form fitting. Yeah. Um, basically, it's no wider than her actual body. Thank God she doesn't have heels on, though. She's got sensible boots. Hey. <laughs> There's a ma- massive eye roll that went along with that. Yeah, sorry, I think I hurt my neck on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so character design aside, I think Kira's a, a great character in this. This is the first time we really get more of her character. The first thing she does is she whips out this crazy double-sided sword staff thing and like holds up to the Hulk's neck, and he just kind of stands there like, what? And she's like, you know what? You're a threat to our way of life. She's like, I know there's something special about you. I have a deal. I can take you to the northern northern steps where there's nobody there. You'd be like hundreds of miles from anybody else. And you could just live in peace there. And he literally says, heard that one before. No, thanks. Yeah. And I I love that moment where she's offering him the same thing that the heroes of Earth were offering him. And he's just like, nope. Well, the difference is, is she's offering this to him. Yeah, it's a choice. Whereas they were like, here you go. Right. They forced him into that. Yeah. (laughs) But I I just love that. I love that line. To be fair. (laughs) The Iron Man. Um number one thing on Hulk's No, moving on. (laughs) Number one thing on on uh Hulk's Christmas list. Uh, was to be left on, alone on a planet, you know, where there's no one else and he couldn't hurt anyone. So Iron Man obviously is a very considerate friend. I uh, uh, was like, oh, well, we can we can give him this. It'll be a surprise. Yeah. Surprise um, vacation. Yeah. And then Reed Richards was like, eh, I'm a dick. Let's dick it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Reed Richards talks all the time. But now he's on a planet with sexily clad gray skinned giant ladies. Yeah. Right, babe? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then Kira's like, all right, well, I tried basically. And she leaves and she's like, well, this is going to be a problem. She didn't even yep. implore him to reconsider. Um, I bet if she had said that, he would have reconsidered. Yep. So next up, the gladiators are taken to the great arena for like days of games here. Uh, they're in the Imperial City, sometimes also known as Crown City of the Empire on Sakaar. They have to survive three rounds and then they all become Imperial citizens, which we know doesn't really mean much because they can just be blasted apart in the mall anyway. Witness. Right. But he was a politician. Was he really like, yeah, right. you know, I mean, he was still a citizen. Yeah. He can become a citizen with all the rights and responsibilities that that entails. Yeah. Oh, like one of the citizens. Would you like to know more? Or literally like just people who carry boxes all day long. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And the Hulk can probably carry like six or seven boxes. 
for twelve hundred dollars, probably we can tell you more about this secret of becoming a <laughs> citizen of Sakar. Um, so they're all feeling pretty confident. They've seen what the Hulk can do, especially at this point. We're down. Uh, we've lost one of the seven because Eloy was taken away by the Death's Heads. But they're like, well, we got the Hulk. We're fine. We got the Green Scar. So they enter the ring, and there's what's called a Imperial Dreadnought above them, a giant ship and it drops a precision death fire bomb and everybody's like that's not this fair. is not fair <laughs> like, what this is the the entire arena too like it's not just going to target full of gladiators yeah right. well it's full a precision death fire bomb so <laughs> it only would explode inside the arena floor apparently you don't know that i do know that it says precision on it I yeah, mean, it says precision it looks like I don't know, hieroglyphics from here. like. <laughs> so Hulk's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, Korg, keep the rest of them safe. And Korg's like, uh, turtle up. And they all like cover themselves with their shields. And Hulk just leaps up and punches the bomb because that's what Hulk does. <laughs> and he detonates it way up in the air. And then a squad of Death's Head sol- soldiers show up to like finish him off. An interesting detail in this is that the announcer of the games is like, this is the biggest violation of rules that I've ever seen. And then he's promptly escorted away. away. Other guards. And it's just the, the uh, corruption is, it knows no bounds. It reminds me so much of Korra, the legend of Korra, Mm -hmm. the sequel to the, the last airbender where they're doing the um, professional, the pro bending where it's like a, a pro sport and people are watching it in the arena and like the people come in and like take the place over and the announcer guy's like, Oh, there's so many they are in the stands and the people are getting shocked all over the place and the police are going down. Oh no, there's one in here with me. And then he's like, <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that. I love that yeah. moment, but he's just taken away because he's yep. speaking out against the empire. Like yep. this is against all the rules and Oh, okay. I'm gone now kind of thing. And it's like, no, you can't speak out against the rules doesn't matter rules changed right the the red king makes the rules yep. pray he doesn't change them any further how <laughs> many times we can get that one in this episode uh in this Two. particular series probably several <laughs> yeah <laughs> um at this point we found out that in the even though uh the hulk blew up the bomb way up in the air there was like debris from it there was still fallout from it and uh ski lost an arm yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's not like totally anymore. off him at this point, but he's there's a bunch of blood and whatnot, and he's talking with uh Heroim, the unbound shadow, and he's like, I, give me a sword. I still have one arm that can fight. And they fight the death's heads, uh, and it's pretty bad, but then the Hulk come he like lands, because I assume when he punched this thing, it like blew him way higher up into the sky. He like lands back down and he helps him finish off the death's heads, and he's the crowd no goes hair. nuts. Yeah. So to be sorry. his hair burned off. Yeah, well, yeah, there's an incredibly uh, important part in that death head fight, too, where all the death heads are like target enemy, target <laughs> enemy. And he's like, ah, oh, no, I'm mad. And they're like, target mad, target mad. <laughs> yeah. I love the little things like that. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about enemy that little down, part. I love enemy it. Down. <laughs> enemy mad. Enemy mad. Uh, and, and they win because of the Hulk. Naturally, because of me, because of me, like a freaking pin cushion, like he's got swords sticking out of him and it's he's bleeding all over. Yeah. Yeah. Lots and of blood. Why did the death heads switch to spears randomly? 
They have these big gun hands. Because it looks cool when the Hulk is full of spears and swords sticking in them. I don't disagree. (laughs) But like... They ran out of ammo in their super sci-fi. Because they're in the gladiatorial arena. You gotta have swords and spears and nets and stuff. And they're not even cool spears. They're like the bug spears from earlier. They're (laughs) with rocks taped to them. It's also there to show that Hulk still is in full strength. He can still be stabbed by these things. Yeah, Uh, but I totally agree. Like, wait, what? <laughs> they had like flamethrowers and stuff before. What's going on? Uh, but either way, they win and it moves to the barracks that they're like staying in. So this counted as one round, mm-hmm. which is kind of brutal. Well, I mean, it's extremely brutal. They, they were supposed to die from that that bomb yeah. in the beginning. Uh, they're all sitting around and we found out that Ski didn't make it. He lost an arm and he was killed by the death's heads. Um. Which I know, Tim, you said you weren't a fan of this character anyway, but it kind of it grounds things a bit and shows that they're not all invulnerable and they're not blasting properly. Well, the death heads were blasting. Yeah. Death heads were temporary invulnerable. And then they weren't any longer because they switched to spears, which meant they were (laughs) no longer blasting, blasting, which meant they were no longer invulnerable. Right. Right. Rule number Um, one, always blast. So Ski (laughs) died. Which is too bit too bad. So to like honor his memory, they talk about themselves, which kind of sounds funny saying it right. that way. But I think it's Heroim says, um, we need to become war bound now. We need to find a way to to bond in a in a stronger way so they share their stories. So first the nameless brood talks about how she was a warrior prime and to survive the destruction of her homeworld because she was sent on a mission with the seven other brood uh, that were also warrior primes to something like deeper within their planet. And it was this big monster that just ate them all and something else destroyed the planet. But this monster survived and it went, ended up going through that portal and they were all taken captive here. Now, do we know anything about the entity that blew up the brood? Hive world? Probably some, probably something to do with the X-Men. I don't know that story offhand. Because initially I was like, oh, it's probably the Phoenix. Then I was like, and it turned everyone into crystal. And I was like, oh, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know that. And probably something with the Shi'ar, if the, the, with the crystal involved, because they're always about the M-Cran crystal. Oh, so probably right. something to do with that, but I don't know that one off the top of my head. Listeners, let us know. Where should we look to find that information? And can it be in the message that you send us with all the information on what it was? That would actually be super convenient. Yeah. I mean, that would also be fine. Yeah. Super. Uh, Korg tells his story, which I really like. Um, he was, um, he's Korg from Cronin. Yes. They are That's the Cronins. The Cronins. And we find out he was one of the rock people that Thor fought in his very first appearance. I think it was Tales to Astonish. No, Journey into Mystery. Yeah. Number something. The first appearance of Thor, he fought these weird rock aliens and Korg was one of them. And Margus, that whole group fought Thor and they like fled and they ended up going through this portal and getting stuck here. It's super fun too at this point. Um, the art style changes. So because it was the first appearance of Thor, which was like back in the day, it goes back to a more like pixelated classic looking art style. Right. He tried to whoever cool. the I think the artist was Carlo Pagalian at this point, and he tries to draw in a very Jack Kirby style, which is so great and really sets the tells you this was in the past. Right. Yeah. And it sets it in that, you know, that history of the Marvel comics. I thought that was such a great nod. One thing I really like, too, is they kind of talk about, well, they went to Earth, right? Effectively, Earth. Earth. Um, yeah, Earth. And they're like, well, this is just one of them. 
Oh, uh, we got to get out of yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we, well, we found out later. It was just one. <laughs> he was but, the one guy that happened to be there. God. So we fought a God and we survived. <laughs> we ran away, but we survived. <laughs> <laughs> but they regularly bring up that, like all the humans are like dumb and stupid. Like they're just, yeah. Like if we had known that he was the only one here and the rest were dumb, stupid humans, we could take them. Yeah. And they're like, it's like, yeah, probably. Uh, Hulk tells his story very briefly. Where he's basically like, they sent me into space and I'm mad about it. Well, I think humans. The biggest, the biggest thing here is is showing how mad he is at Banner. He himself. hates Banner, which I love that dichotomy, the Hulk yeah. versus Banner constantly. Oh my gosh, it's so cool. Uh, Meek tells his story where he is Meek, the unhived. Is that what he calls himself? Yeah. Uh, his hive all died. Yep. And he's a survivor because he's a hider, not a fighter. That was like it. That's his whole story. <laughs> yeah. In the notes, I just put great. Meek is Meek. It's just, he's there. Fighting for friends. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Did they not get into the, the rest of the story until later? Yeah. His dad and stuff? Okay, Correct. Gotcha. Correct. <clears throat> uh, and then Heroim doesn't tell his story yet, but he declares that they are, he's Heroim the Shamed. We don't know why yet. Uh, and he declares they are now all are all now war bound and they are friends and warriors together and they need to do everything they can to keep each other alive because one of them died and they want to stop that. So this issue ends with uh, Kira learns that the Red King has another warrior ready to fight the Hulk on the next day as challenge two. And he is the Silver Savage. Ooh. Who looks awesome. So. Real quick, um, as we go to the next issue, a lot of the covers on these really remind me of the art style from the New Mutants, the later art style. Yeah, those yeah. covers. Know, the, the the Demon Bear Saga, right? Yeah. Bill Sakevitz. Yeah. I don't know why it just reminded me of those so much. I absolutely love them. So Incredible Hulk number 95 starts with Kira the Lieutenant speaking with Silver Surfer. which we're, Silver Savage. The Silver Savage, if you know anything about Marvel Comics... You realize pretty quickly this is the Silver Surfer. And like, what is he doing here? And I love how the arc does manage to include some other known characters from the universe. Because he's everywhere. Who's Silver Surfer? Yeah. Well, he flies like faster than the speed of light. He can be everywhere. It's, it's amazing. He shows up everywhere. <laughs> he's cool. I like Silver Surfer. Have... No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Have they done Silver Surfer's like background and origin before this comic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we knew. Was I'm it pretty sure with with what's in here. As far as I know. Cool. Um. So she talks with the Silver Surfer, trying to figure out what his deal is. The Silver Savage, she knows him as. Um. We find out that he learned a little bit about his background. He is called Nor. His real name is Norin Rad, and he was part of this planet that was like super advanced. And then Galactus shows up and no one knew what to do, but he was like the only person that wanted to fight. Then Galactus was like, yo, I like your, uh, the cut of your jib. You want to be my Herald? And he was like, what does that mean? He's like, you have to like fly around with me and tell people I'm coming and then fight them if they don't want me to be there. And he's like, sure. And it's like, boom, you're the, you have the power cosmic now and you're the silver surfer. And he's like, this is rad. His story is so like, like my last name. Yeah. <laughs> like, I lived on this planet and our society was so advanced. There was no disease. There was no hunger. There was no poverty. We just got to enjoy life and I didn't like it. All we had like, to do was focus on pleasure. Right? Like, <laughs> my life is so cold and bleak. 
And they mentioned that several times. Like he's flying around. He's like, oh, I'm so cold again. (laughs) Oh, it's cold here. (laughs) I have no purpose. Just cold. (laughs) There is no purpose, only cold. There's no purpose. They left with all the fish. (laughs) Uh, And he talks about how he found the portal that leads to this place. And he was just, he said he kind of felt drawn into it. He's like, I could have just flown the other direction. Like it didn't actually pull me in, but I was curious. And then I got just a little bit too close and I fell into this portal. And when I came up on the other side, I was super weakened and he had this obedience disc on him. And normally the silver surfer and his board are both completely invulnerable. He's always blasting. Not even if he's blasting. He doesn't even have to be blasting. He's just completely invulnerable all the time. He's indestructible. So he was super weakened by this portal so they could actually affix a disc to him. And he's kind of been the champion of this area for a while because he's super strong and super powerful. And invulnerable. And invulnerable. That helps a lot. Yeah. And he's cold. (laughs) He's cold. It's a very temperate planet and he's frigid. So then the gladiators... I have their second test. Silver Surfer comes out and Hulk is kind of like, hey, I know this guy. <laughs> Not quite we're friends from work, but right, the right. same idea. Which He's like, oh, this is a friend, line. this Silver Surfer. And then Silver Surfer just bashes him in the face with this <laughs> giant mace that looks awesome. He uses his surfboard as a shield, which I think yeah. is great. Yeah. Also super red. I love it. I love his look here. I mean, they all have the typical, like, uh, you know, um, Roman gladiator look. I love that Hulk has the armor down the one sleeve, even though it's completely yeah. useless. Cause he's, I mean, he's the Hulk. He's tougher than that metal yeah. anyway. Well, he's a soft skin, so he gets feathers, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Meek. What's super interesting is before they fight Silver Surfer, as some other slaves are prepping the arena, they notice that the places where the Hulk's blood was spilled, mm. there are plants growing. Right. Super yeah. important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. I just want to see if I, I forgot to put that in the notes. And everybody talks about how the silver savage looks like the late son of the red King, which to me is very strange. Why would he have a kid that's silver? I didn't understand it, that. Cause it was with a shadow bound. So they came out silver. Yeah. I, I totally took that as physical features. Not, not that he was silver, right? Not that, color of skin. That's how I read it. Maybe they're just saying, okay. So they're saying like, the way he looks other than the fact that he has silver skin. Right. Cause that's pretty unique to silver server. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He looks blue in a lot of the stuff cause he's so cold. Oh, he looks like Iceman a lot. <laughs> he did actually, especially in the cover art. There's a lot of things, uh, a lot of promotional things when they show like a bunch of different characters. I'm like, Oh, they actually included Iceman. Oh no, that's silver surfer. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did want it to be good. So. Oh, moving on. Moving on. Uh, so surfer starts to just wreck him. He's been here a while. He's pretty strong at this point. He has a lot of his powers. And um, he, it's important. So they reference that the Hulk and silver surfer are like friends, but he's got that disc in him. So like, he might not want to fight the Hulk. He can't help it at this but point. He, right. Yeah, he has to, uh, but silver surfer is also super strong and he just like, no one else in the in the team has a chance against him. I think Korg stands the longest, and it's just he, that Macy has is just laying yeah. down everybody. Wham, wham, wham. Another reference here to, uh, I think Meek says, he's like, I thought humans were weak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, wait, this isn't a human? What are you talking about? 
Um, but then Hulk and Heroim, he's no Heroim is known as like the greatest stratagem the shadow people have ever had. He's super smart and he comes up with a plan and he says, I'm going to attack from above to, to like distract him. And he, and then he doesn't tell you, he doesn't tell the reader what the rest of the plan is. We have to see it in action. So Hulk like jumps up to come down at surfer. He holds up his surfboard as a shield. I'm sorry. Heroim comes down from above. And while he's doing that, Hulk stabs the disc with a spear. Yep. Cause he knew he can't hurt the surfer with that. Yeah. You know, he's completely invulnerable. So he destroys this disc instead and it says, then he continues to pulverize the surfer into the ground. Oh my God. Just lay. It's just yeah. boom, boom, it boom, boom. It's so interesting because these <laughs> panels just show the crowd and their reaction. And yeah. first Ooh. the crowd's like, fuck yeah. And then as the Hulk continues, they're like, oh okay. no. <laughs> you can stop. Anybody yeah. else would have just been flattened by this. Yeah. Stop. He's already dead. And here, yeah, I think Hero, I think Hero, no, Korg, Korg gets his hand in the way. He's like, we won. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. You're good now. And this is the point. They've survived three rounds. So they're like, sweet, we're going to be free now. Isn't this only round two? Right. This was this. This was the last test. The, oh, the death's heads counted as round two. I misspoke oh, earlier. Gotcha. The, the dreadnought was round one. Death's heads were round two. See, that this is round three. Me. I, yeah. I, I misremembered there for a moment. Oh, that's fine. Should have looked at my notes closer. <laughs> Didn't the, I thought. So what did the egg eater that was that was before yeah. the arena. Uh, that yeah. was just them doing whatever to get exposure. The yeah, they they were pre gaming. They were doing yeah. it for free for exposure. You Road know, sodas. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so at this point, this is when we learned that the lieutenant isn't called Kira the Old Strong. She has we know she we learned that she's different than other shadow people. She has some ancient power, which we've kind of seen in action where she's super strong. She tells the gladiators they have one final test. <laughs> oh my God, that made it? <laughs> they hit me right in the chest. He hit him right in his obedience to Who brings out LOA here? Is it more death's heads? Yeah. Uh, they drag LOA out and they say to prove your loyalty to the Empire, you need to kill your friend right. that has spoken out and has, you know, is a rebel with other rebels. You have to kill them. And Hulk's like, no, no one tells me what to do. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and the slaver is like, you still have your disc on. Like, just, just do it. Make He's it like, I want to make you yourself. do it. And he's like, meh. Then Heroim steps up and he tries to cite a pact um, from the culture that he and Kara share. They're both shadow people. And he's like, you know, because of this, I can't kill somebody in this situation she's like you can't cite the laws like that you're a pariah you're hero in the shamed like you're not part of our culture anymore anyway and he's kind of like damn it she's right appreciate a good <laughs> rules lawyer though <laughs> right jump in there well technically <laughs> actually <laughs> so then uh primus van here starts to the zap them all with their discs because they're all going to do what hulk does the other five don't try to kill them either and it's going going and then Silver Surfer gets up and he uses the power cosmic and he destroys all the discs within the arena because his disc wasn't working anymore. It allowed him full access to his powers. And he just basically with a snap of his fingers, just they start blowing up all over the place. Like all of them, people in the stands, like everybody, everybody. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, all hell breaks loose to, to continue citing uh, cliches there. 
The gladiators just start wrecking the place. Korg just starts pulling walls down. Hulk is smashing whatever he can. Mika's like, this is great. <laughs> just kind of <laughs> enjoying the, you know, watching it. Um, and they flee into the twisted wood nearby. Uh, while they're... <coughs> Sorry. While they're kind of hanging out there, realizing they're all free. Um, Surfer is lucid now. He talks with the Hulk and he's just kind of like, I don't want to be here. This place is cold. <laughs> and so he doesn't want to be here. This place kind of sucks. And he's like, my, I'm done with this place. I just want to get out of here basically. And he was like, wasn't he also like, uh, like forever ago when I first met you, you were like, Hey, can, can I come with you silver surfer and go someplace where they're not going to treat me like a monster all the time? And I was like, nah, later. Uh, so if, if you want, <laughs> I could take you now. You want to jump on this board? And he was like, no. Hulk's like, no, I got. Oh, Hanami's family. <laughs> this is my home. Family means no one is left behind. Or forgotten. I was waiting for you. Um, yeah, so Silver Surfer pieces out. He just flies away. <laughs> it really is. All right, Toads, I'll go, get a, go be cold in another universe. <laughs> I'm going to go in space. It's not that cold. Literally, as he's flying away, you get those little bubbles at the bottom of the page again. He's like, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's a less slavey universe. Yeah. yeah. I never would have expected Silver Surfer to be an edgelord. Like, <laughs> but no, really ramp her up. Ramp it up. Who knew that going yeah, from world to world jam. to just let everyone know that they were going to die, you know, would wear on somebody like that. There's nothing they can do about it because it's Galactus. Yeah. I mean, my boss is coming. He's kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to eat your planet. Not a big deal, but, you know, you're all going to die. <laughs> so you got any good restaurants in the area? Or <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so Hulk kind of leads all these freed slaves into the woods uh, and we see there is a large Imperial army after them. But then we jump for one last little bit into the arena where one freed slave is still moping around or whatever. I don't know why he's still there. He hasn't gotten out of there yet. He sees these plants growing in the puddles of Hulk's blood in the yeah. dirt of the arena, which we don't know too much about that yet, but obviously that's pretty significant. Right. Because it's... You don't, it's not immediately apparent, but most of this planet is a wasteland. Yeah. There's the twisted woods, which nobody goes into because it's full of wildebots. It's where they usually come from. But the rest of the world, like there's no crops, there's no forests, there's no plains. Everything is just like bare rock and awful. And it's because Hulk's blood is made out of Brondo because it has what plants crave. Just it's got electric grow. lights. It's got electric lights. Yeah. Got plants need. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. They don't need water because I've never seen no plants grow out of no toilet. So you mean the stuff in the toilet? Yeah. I'm so confused. <laughs> Have you never seen Idiocracy? No, I haven't. Oh my God, you would love it. I'm sure. You would I've absolutely heard, love this I've heard movie. a lot of good. They poison yeah. the world by effectively... Taking over like the media and shit, right? No, they all become just fucking idiots. They all right. watch like YouTube videos and shit all day and people can stare in the, the giant butt. Human evolution leads to lower and lower IQs and people are just dumb over time. Dumb people have more kids than smart people because smart people oh, are that's like, fair. we can't afford to have more kids. Yeah. And they're like, this is my eighth baby. So, fucking welfare. So they, um, 
So they water all the crops with Brondo, which is like Powerade slash Mountain Dew because it's got <laughs> electrolytes. It kills all the crops. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Because it's all, there's so much salt in it. Right. So this guy gets sent from the past to the future. He's like, well, no, you got to water them. <laughs> like, water? You mean that stuff that comes out of the toilet? I've never seen no plants grow out of no toilet. <laughs> It's so great because he was absolutely average in every way. This guy in the future, he's the smartest person in the world. (laughs) And he's just like, you just need the water. The president is played by Terry Crews. And the presidential election is is, uh, is resolved by like Royal Rumble. (laughs) Mountain Dew is part of his name because he likes is sponsored by Mountain Dew. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so good. You really need to. It's fantastic. Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> I like money. I like money. Go away and baiting. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta fucking watch this movie. It's real good. I'm on the toilet. Next time, go away, uh, the Space Between. <laughs> We're covering Idiocracy. All right. Giant size Hulk number one. Let's go. Right, so the last issue we're going to cover in this episode was a special at the time. It's called Giant Size Hulk. Number one, Marvel likes to do this all the time. They're doing it right now with X-Men. They have a bunch of little giant size one-offs about different characters. So this one had a couple of different stories. The hardcover that we have only includes the story that takes place at this point in the Planet Hulk storyline. Which is fine. Right. It's all you need. The the actual issue had a couple other short stories in it. I don't know what they were because I've never read it. It was a lot of other short stories. It's like... Hulk versus Thor, it's Hulk versus Captain America, it's Hulk versus the military, it's then another Hulk versus the military, it's then another Hulk versus the military. <laughs> like that's and that's always what bothered me about the Hulk was it was like every story is just like, oh, it's the Hulk punching tanks because the military is like, oh, the Hulk's too strong. We gotta shoot him with tanks. <laughs> Never works and anyway. And so Taylor and Tim read this on Mar- Marvel Comics Unlimited, so they got a slightly different take on it. Our, Danny and I read it in the hardcover. It's a little more focused. So we're going to talk about just the part that takes place during Planet Hulk. So we have this small story um, that's set up during this run. At this point, it was super popular. Um, this, you know, we have four issues in. Um, people are loving this, so it makes sense to have an extra little story about it. This one is almost all internal, Banner versus Hulk, which is interesting because it's very different from what we get in The Incredible Hulk. Um, so we have a lot of cameos by somebody called Jarella, who looks kind of hulkish. She's got green skin. She's got blonde hair. She's wearing this like Princess Leia dress. And I, w- I was like, who is this? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. So I still like that, actually. I did some research uh, to find out. I actually copied and pasted a couple paragraphs from like a Marvel wiki because I was like, I have no idea who this is. So she was uh, showed up. Originally, an Incredible Hulk volume two, number 140 from 1971. She was written as a one off character in a plot by a guest writer named Harlan Ellison. Uh, she was brought back eight issues later by another guest plotter. In this case, it was Chris Claremont's first published story, oh. which I included because I thought that was kind of neat since we talked about Chris Claremont so much with New Mutants. Mm-hmm. Um, says her actual appearances uh, continue to be sporadic. She became a major driving force in the plot and characterizations of the Hulk for several years. Um, she did die in 1976, Incredible Hulk 250. says, though it sparked an outpouring of protests from readers who shared Hulk's grief, writer Len Wein, who created Wolverine, has said that he never intended Jarell's death to be permanent. 
There's a quote here. He, he said, it was my intention that Drella was not really dead, being in an alien species. What appeared to be death was, in fact, a step in what was to be her metamorphosis into a higher power. I never got a chance to bring her back before I left the title, and thus she remains dead. Huh. So because writers got moved around a lot by the editorial staff, he never got to finish that story. <laughs> so it became a big part of Hulk's character for a long time in the 70s and 80s that this person that was so important to him died, even though that wasn't ever supposed to stay. I thought that was really interesting little story there. Um, so um, I don't really blame the creator of Wolverine, though, for leaving plot lines, you know, unfinished. <laughs> <laughs> all right so during this whole time hulk is dreaming he's sleeping while they're camping in the twisted woods and he's talking with banner who's trying to retake control hulk dreams about him and his gladiators taking out the avengers and this shows a panel of the hulk holding iron man up above his head and ripping him in half yeah which is a nod to a very famous uh image um of the hulk ripping ultimate wolverine in half which is a weird that comic has its own years long thing because yeah. it was like a four issue miniseries that took like three years to come out <laughs> no one ever knew what happened um in real time on sakar meek is like awake in camp and he goes to talk to the hulk but it's banner in hulk's clothes in these like cool gladiator sandals and whatnot and there's this little white dude sitting in it instead of a green skin monster and it's like everything is giant and then Meek like rubs his eyes because he just woke up and he's like, "Whoa, what did I just see? And then and then it's the Hulk again. And then Hulk says, don't worry, Meek, no one here but us monsters. And the final panel final panel is Hulk standing over defeated Banner because he's fully in control of the body at this point. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool end to that. That's so you guys didn't read that story? It no. wasn't in the. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was really MCU. sad. Like, no. You told us specifically not to read the graphic novel that included <laughs> oh, that story. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. It was really sad, and I liked it a lot as far as, like, development of the Hulk as a character because it's like, you know, everybody they're close to dies, and you just bring destruction, and this what's-her-face Gerilla didn't really love you. She loved Bruce Banner instead, and the Hulk gets, like, sad about it, and he's like, wait, you fucking laughing at me? Like nobody laughs at the Hulk, and then he just starts like he gets mad. Everyone laughs at mad. the Hulk, actually behind his back. <laughs> That's a, sadly true. And then they die. Um, yeah. So the the Amadeus Cho thing that we read didn't come in until epi or uh, issue one hundred is when they slammed her in there. Gotcha. So, so I bet yeah, that so was like, I bet know. issue 100 was a big thick boy. Yeah. And yes. it had like the Planet Hulk story and then it probably had one or two extra things in it. It had so like the hardcover four. they just put all that at the end of it. It's like you can read this if you want but it's not really part of the story. Gotcha. Right. So it was like the origins of the Hulk and then all those, you know, Hulk but versus it, it started with Hiram's <clears throat> backstory. Who? The Unbound Shadow? Heroin? Heroin. Oh. Because I, I got yeah, really I confused yeah. when I was reading the Amadeus Cho thing. I was like, oh, it's a they just segued, you know, back to Earth or whatever after reading about his priest stuff. And then it went into all those other old comics. And I was like, what the fuck yeah, is this? I had no idea what was going on. And then I looked and it said 100, like episode one, yeah. or issue 100. And I was like, maybe this is just like Marvel's way of doing, oh, it's 100 ep yeah. ep issues in. Like, yay, why do I keep saying episode? <laughs> I what is up with that? <laughs> What's up with that? I was explaining what we do here to a family member the other day, and I kept interchanging the words show 
episode, podcast, and something else. And they're like, wait, wait, wait. So what's a show and what's an episode? <laughs> I was like, well, just, I don't really want to talk to you. <laughs> so we produce podcasts on a network and we have seven different shows that yeah. each produce different episodes. About different episodes. Of, of things of or things. issues that we've written. Yeah, it's it's hard to describe it. Yeah. But it makes perfect sense. But. But yeah, so now the slaves are freed. Mm-hmm. They are in the Twisted Woods, which is a dangerous place the Imperials don't want to go. Silver Surfer's finally cold again. Silver Surfer <laughs> peaced out and he's cold in space. And we'll see what happens. Part two of the Planet Hulk storyline is called Anarchy. Anarchy. Anarchy? Anarchy. How do you pronounce that? Oh, Anarchy. Anarchy. <laughs> From Hamilton. Get cultured. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Get wrecked, I'm, nerd. I am an uncultured. Get wrecked, sir. <laughs> punch of the bird, sir. Uh, so join us next week when we delve into part two. Of we'll be doing this over three episodes. We decided partway through this instead of two, uh, and we'll we'll continue talking about the Hulk. Let us know. Um, contact us on social medias or send us an email. Professional casual at gmail.com. The, the professional professional it, I usually get that one right and I missed it this time. I've groomed Charlie to do it right now. I just the professional casual at gmail.com. The professional casual on Instagram. Or top t- at top tier casual on the Twitters. Yeah. Even yeah, better, go to iTunes yeah. and leave a review. Let us know what you think there. Rate, review, subscribe anywhere you find your podcasts. Tell your friends, tell your mom. Your mom would love us. Be serious. Yeah, my mom does love you guys. Right? She does. Yeah. I don't know about the network, but I could sign her up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you in a week. Goodbye. Thanks so much for listening. Why don't you go and check out all the other great shows that the Professional Casual Network has to offer, including season one of The Space Between Presents I Saw a Tiger, which follows the Netflix smash series Tiger King and details the acid-washed antics of Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin, Jeff Lowe, as well as others. This season, we're taking a deep, dark dive into the four-part Netflix docuseries Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. Big Fiction Energy is our audio drama pod in which Tim, Danny, and myself tell the story of Lanny, the Girl Without Fear, a fantasy novel by Dan. A grim podcast of perilous adventure is the Professional Casual Network's Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Actual Play podcast. We're playing through The Enemy Within, which is widely considered one of the best campaigns of any RPG. Join Dan as the GM as Danny, Tim, Alexander P. Nelson, and JB try to survive the perils of the old world. And if you needed more deep dives, also check out The Space Between, which is a discussion and review of the best games, comics, and nerd movies of today and yesteryear. We also have Elite Eight Showdown with high-octane host Big Chuck and his research team. Join him while he financially ruins his partner Tim and completes an eight-team tournament bracket that could be about anything and everything. Lastly, we have Professionally Asked, Casually Answered, a totally real, totally fake advice show where we take questions and topics from you, our listeners, and do our best not to completely ruin your lives. Danny, where could people follow us or ask us questions for Professionally Asked, Casually Answered? I'm so glad you asked that, Tim. You can go ahead and email us questions. Our email address is theprofessionalcasual at gmail.com. You can also follow us and message us on Instagram at theprofessionalcasual. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash professionalcasual. Twitter, we're at top tier casual. 
Our website is theprofessionalcasual.com. On Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash professionalcasual. And you can also check out Lindsay's Instagram at lindsayfphotography, where you can check out all of her great photos of abandoned places and events. What are some other things that people could find on our Patreon, Danny? They can find Sarah's doodles. They can find different vlogs. They can find lots of polls. I know Big Chuck's got a ton of stuff up there. It's all just a wild time. Extra bonus content, all of those things. 